Welcome. This is Matt with Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob and Patty. Once again, Patty's back. Patty it's good keeps to be back. Patty keeps coming back, and we like that. You've tuned in to an episode where we're going to be talking about emotions. Emotions are huge in the human experience. I think you're right. Yet it's the most misunderstood and punished and rejected part of the human experience, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think we know what to do with our emotions. Frequently. Certainly misunderstood. Definitely. When misunderstood, misused, mishandled, damage happens. We don't have enough time in this 30 minutes for me to talk about all my emotional baggage. <laughs> it's what you carry on your hikes. It's why what your I back carry. is so heavy. That's why I carry 12 pounds. So it's a, it's a metaphor of I've dealt with my emotional baggage. But if you've tuned in, you are listening to Mindful Conversations, and we're having a conversation currently um, on a topic of uh, what it means to grow in maturity and intimacy. And we are on the, the third part of the series in regard to understanding the emotions that are part of our identity. Last episode, we talked about the brain. Mm -hmm. And then in next episode, we're going to talk about acting. Behavior, yeah. Behavior. And the idea, we think we feel, we act, that makes up who you are. It's a, yeah, it's a strong uh, component of our identity. And we'll unpack that and have more conversation about that in today's episode, but it really is simple. As you think, as you feel, as you behave. And so if I want to be mature, if I want to grow in intimacy, I can't be intimate if I'm not mature, is that correct? I believe so. Inti okay. Intimacy, maturity is a prerequisite for intimacy. Yeah. And so if I'm going to, in today's episode, if I'm going to grow in maturity, I have to understand my feelings or my emotion. Because to your earlier point, feelings are often the vehicle that causes the damage. I, I feel rejected. I feel misunderstood. I feel it doesn't mean that words or other things can't hurt us, but emotion is usually the, the vehicle that does the damage. And there's often a disconnect as far as identifying that vehicle. Totally. I mean, maybe, maybe some don't even know there is a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Like a Volkswagen? Yeah. <laughs> Or a Cadillac. Or a, ca or a horse. Funny, I, <laughs> or a horse. For some reason, I thought of a bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, I've got a love-hate, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got a love-hate relationship with my dog, Odin. Yes. He's 10 months old, and he's the cutest thing in the world, but he's, he's quite the ass sometimes. <laughs> he has the habit of eating sticks and swallowing the content. Like you're eating wood or plastic or aluminum foil, which he threw up in the yard. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You won't eat your dog food, but you'll eat this stuff. 
But it's when he disobeys that triggers the response in me. Yeah. I'm recognizing how the frustration in me is triggered by his choices. Not He didn't cause it. I got triggered by his behavior. So it's not on him. No, we're responsible for how we act, think, and feel. But this little 70-pound dog has great power over me, or <laughs> I place great power over That's him. influence. It's influence. <laughs> the dog has influence over you. No, but seriously, in my journey, uh, I have dealt with, I was talking with Patty before we started recording, I've got a history of emotional dysregulation that my wife was and my kids were privy to. And I have, in the last eight to 10 years, really grown much more emotionally healthy, more emotionally intelligent. We'll talk about that. But the reality is I've learned the hard way. It's like, you, you can't do this. Relationships get damaged and destroyed when you don't have your emotions in check. When you're not self-controlled and your emotions are out of control, that creates a lack of safety. Yeah. And any relationship that's not safe, you cannot have intimacy with. You can have pseudo-intimacy, but okay, you can't have okay, authentic. Okay, repeat that again. Any, any relationship that's not safe, you won't have authentic intimacy with. It'll be pseudo, I would suggest. That's worth writing down. If intimacy is 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 dependent on safety, mm-hmm. and if if maturity is required for intimacy, then we have to really take ownership if we're contributing to the unsafety in our relationships. Yeah. If we're contributing to the lack of safety, and that's usually a maturity function, right? Self-control is a maturity element. So when we're not safe, we're not mature, it's unpredictable. Mm -hmm. It's not safe for Patty to, she doesn't know when I'm going to go off emotionally or verbally or relationally or psychologically on her. So I'm walking on eggshells, wondering what I can say, what I can't say. Exactly. How to be. Right. And if she's not healthy and I'm not healthy, I'm holding her responsible for how I feel. And she can't fix that. Mm -hmm. And I'm continually hypervigilant. So we were talking about that um, fight or flight place and that, that hypervigilant space in the brain. Yeah. I can't ever get out of that. No, no. As long as we're connected, and then it will take time for you to get out of it, uh, depending upon the years and the damage. See what you've done to me? (laughs) And I've only been here less than a year. Wow. You're responsible, buddy. (laughs) That is the key, though, is taking ownership of what feelings are coming. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that later. Emotional intelligence, the ability to understand emotions and how to regulate those emotions. But let's go ahead and begin to really conceptualize, Dr. Rob, what are emotions? Emotions, um, (laughs) it's hard to define because every discipline, sociology, anthropology, psychology, medicine, 
they all have different definitions for emotions. Mm -hmm. But one thing is certain is that feelings or emotions cover um, the psychosocial, the psychological, the spiritual, the relational aspect. Mm -hmm. of They saturate. It's like water. They're always present, right, Mm -hmm. Um, in the ocean. And so cultures express emotions differently. But when I hear the word emotion, I almost instant instantaneously <laughs> transfer that into feelings. Mm-hmm. Feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at a, a a diagram right now, and it's a square, and it has four quadrants. And the upper left hand quadrant is fear and anger. In the upper right hand quadrant, there's surprise and happiness. In the lower left quadrant, there's disgust and sadness. And in the right lower quadrant, tranquility and contented. And there's some other words that describe this diagram. It's kind of a circular picture that has words like with fear and anger. In that upper left hand, you have tense, nervous, stressed, upset. On that right upper quadrant, the surprised and happy, you've got alert, excited, elated, happy. And that's talked about in that upper two quadrants, that's high arousal. On the left side, it's negative. On the right side, it's positive. So in if you're listening and you're kind of getting an imagination, on one side, I can have fear and anger. And on the other side, I can have surprise and happiness. Yeah, that's it's it's really talking about how emotions are conceptualized. Some have clear bipolar opposites mm-hmm. and others are fuzzy. You know, they don't they don't they can't be defined uh as clearly. What does it mean, Rob, with it these these upper quadrants being labeled high arousal, like fear and anger and then surprise and happiness? Why high arousal versus the lower quadrants? disgust, sadness, and tranquility and contented being low arousal? That's a good question. It usually, um, you conceptualize it, you could conceptualize it a couple of ways. Energy. Anger is an emotion or a feeling that takes a lot of energy. It's very typically, not always, but, you know, explosive. You, you There's a, the limbic system, which is the seat of emotion in the brain, there's high arousal. There's a lot of energy put to that. When you have depression or something like that, that's generally low energy. People lose a drive, right? Uh-huh. So if you think of it, sometimes I'll think of it as going fast or going slow. Uh-huh. And so some of these emotions like tense or alert or excited, those generate a lot of energy moving people fast. We talk faster, we think faster, if you will. But, you know, when you're relaxed, you're just chilling. That's not a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. I have learned in, in terms of the idea of emotional intelligence, the idea of understanding emotion. So just the study of emotion. So if you're listening and you're, you're not really, maybe equipped to understand emotion, it's really good to spend time maybe doing your own study or own research. There's some really good literature out there. There's books. Um, Of course, Dr. Google 
You know, you can, (laughs) you can just Google a lot of things, but I have personally learned the importance of that bottom right quadrant, the tranquility and contentment, which is positive and low arousal for me to recover. Yeah. I've learned how to put on the, the parasympathetic nervous system. So autonomic nervous system, two sides, sympathetic, that's your stress response, parasympathetic rest and relaxation. I've learned how to be intentional to turn on that rest and relaxation. So being intentional to relax, to be calm. And I do that by activating my senses. So I will put on a YouTube of tranquil music, usually with a, a nature scene. And I will typically just watch and listen and do some stretching because I'm very inflexible. I do some stretching. My friend calls it yogurt, but it's <laughs> yoga. And it's I, I don't want you to imagine that I'm the guy that's flexible. I'm the, I'm the breakable pretzel <laughs> that there's no flexibility, but my back requires that I do some stretching, but I find it really positive to spend time engaging those systems to be able to feel relaxed and to give my body the chance to shut down. Yeah. Those are, those are the easy emotions, right? They're the ones that help us. Uh, they're the ones that humans generally don't have trouble with, um, that relaxed posture and stuff like that. Um, the more difficult emotions, sadness, grief, loss, stress, tension those are the ones that to your point we need help regulating Mm -hmm. so when you're triggered and you might have a sympathetic response or a a fight flight or freeze response what happens then those emotions are now elevated right high arousal high arousal yeah and they they demand it's not like the low arousals don't demand attention. That's not what I'm saying. But the high energy, the high arousal emotions, generally for humans, I would argue, are the most obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Right? Unless, you, But that's not always true, like depression. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about depression in our culture. That's a low arousal, but it demands attention. I would say it's got power. They all do. Low arousal, but high power. So I want to clarify something. So one emotion isn't better or worse than another, even if it's a bad feeling or a negative, what we would consider a negative emotion, either sad or depressed. No. It's a, it's a normal part of life to have feelings, positive or negative, isn't it? Yep. They're, they're, I think of it as basic standard equipment issued, right? Emotions... Our emotions, uh, they're hard or kind of easy, negative or positive, but they're basic equipment for humans in terms of us experiencing the world. Like a barometer. Yeah. They kind of tell us where we're at. They tell us about ourselves. They tell us about each other. Um, They tell us about perceptions and our needs. They are required. And to your point, Patty, I think it's a mistake to... To kind of say, okay, we just want to pursue positive emotions and ignore the negative. No, they're they're hard emotions and they're easier emotions, but all emotions are important. So the goal is not to get rid of some. 
in and put others in their place. The goal is to be able to know what they are. And to deal with them. And yep. to deal with them. To appropriately address them. That's a really good point. I do like, Patty, how you described emotions as being a barometer. Or a thermometer. <laughs> no, yeah. more like a barometer. You know, a barometer tells us where we're at with the atmospheric pressure. Yeah. yeah. And you could say that about emotions, you know. Some emotions feel more pressurized than others. So what happens when we ignore or suppress our emotions or feelings? We miss out on the information that those emotions give us. Say that again. We miss out on the information or data that those emotions would provide. Wow. The emotions are telling us something or teaching us something about us. Yes. They also create tension, and that can manifest itself physically. So when you bottle up emotions, <laughs> they're going to manifest somehow. And usually it's through your health. Yeah. I would say that Patty and I, again, pre-recording, we're in a conversation because Dr. Rob was late <laughs> getting to the show. <laughs> we. I feel hurt you said that. <laughs> we suck it up, buddy. We were We were talking about the reality of growing up in our homes. We've talked in this series on authoritative messages Mm -hmm. and how we were taught about emotions from those in our life growing up. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to spend a moment just referencing how emotions were validated or devalued and maybe even reproved when we would express them and how that formed informed our development to understand ourselves and emotions. But we would understand early on which emotions were safe to express and which ones weren't depending on our parents or authority figures reaction to them. That's a really good point. Dr. Jeannie Jensma refers to them as a forbidden emotions. Mm. Um, you know, the forbidden emotions, anger, depression, sadness, and depending upon the family, to to Patty's point, it's like if families have those forbidden emotions, which are, are important, and they don't allow them, that's not healthy. What does that teach a five-year-old, a 10-year-old? What does that teach them? That they are not to feel that they are to do something that, that, that they can't, they're, they're not given permission to feel. Mm-hmm. In order to be accepted and loved, yep. they must not feel or express a certain thing right. or emotion. There, there it is. To be accepted in this family, you have to play by these rules. And all families have rules, spoken and unspoken. We don't do that in this family. Exactly. Or as my dad used to say, swallow it. Yep. Real men don't cry. Little man, real men don't cry. Well, we also talked about the the assumption that, quote unquote, women are more emotional and men are not. And we referenced a study that shows in terms of emotional regulation, there's really no difference. 
No. R- really, the research is is saying really both men and women are both cognitive and emotional. That's really true. Both have the limbic system, which is the seat of emotion, and it's the culture. Now you're bringing in a cultural slant that defines that. So in our culture, women are emotional and men are not. And that's not accurate, in my opinion. And as I shared, I, with my work clinically, I work with uh, male clients that oftentimes present with addictive patterns. And those addictive patterns typically are related to emotional pain. And so the working hypothesis is there hasn't been a healthy way to understand emotion because of perhaps family of origin issues, but they're turning to unhealthy coping strategies to deal with the hidden pain based on not understanding who they are emotionally. Yeah, they, we, we don't know what to do with our emotions, so they manifest themselves in other types of behavior. So I turn to an addictive pattern or a substance of choice and I find momentary pleasure. Yes. Which ultimately doesn't solve for the pain. And therefore I'm left in a state of despair, which I have to repeat the cycle. Yeah, shame. That shame cycle. Um, You're right. Yet there is hope. There's hope to be able to grow in this idea of maturity, intimacy, being able to come into community and to be able to know more about myself and more importantly, others who are like me. Yeah. And we're all the law of universality. We're all in the same boat, by the way, nobody escapes this. No, right. So we're all in the same family and we all need help to understand. And so if I can find a safe place to work through and to understand my emotion. And if I can gain greater understanding, then I'm going to grow more mature. Yeah. Because emotions need to be identified. They need to be respected. They need to be experienced, verbalized, and put into perspective. Mm-hmm. Jeannie made that point. It's like, you know, if I, if I can't identify it, I can't communicate it. And that's what you see the difference with men and women. Women access the emotionality aspect of their identity or personality much easier than men appear to. And yet there are still women who do not know how to identify their emotions. Exactly. Or to Matt's point, their emotions get expressed in unhealthy relationships or things like that. Right. Well, the idea now is to um, look at this TFA model, the idea of thinking, feeling, and acting, as we do talk about potential gender differences. Um, so, Rob, why don't you speak to the, the, the theorist, the founder of this model, and what it's helped you to understand? Yeah, Dave Hutchins, um, back in the late 70s, did some work with what they labeled as the TFA model, thinking, feeling, and acting. And in a nutshell, basically, he talked about a firing order. So some of us lead with thinking. Some of us might lead with emotion. Others may be acting, action-oriented. It It's not one over the other. They're all happening so simultaneously, right? But generally, 
there's an approach to relationships that um, one of these is more predominant than the others. It's a firing order. That's how he referred to it. My firing order is generally I feel first. And then because I can be fairly impulsive, I'll act and then I'll think about it. That's not a, it's not a bad or right or wrong. It's just my firing order. Um, my wife's firing order is she's a thinker. And she will then com- link that thinking to emotion and then act. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not a right or wrong. But if I don't understand that about her and she doesn't understand it about mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. then it increases the probability of miscommunication and that doesn't facilitate intimacy. So this is where emotional regulation can come in handy. Yeah, because if I can't regulate my emotions, my firing order I'm feeling, I'm not necessarily safe for her, uh, potentially, just depending on my personality, or I'll shut down and I close off. It, it, but what you see with uh, emotional dysregulation is usually the person is not emotionally safe. I feel and I erupt or I name call or some of these other dysfunctional dynamics that exist with the inability to emotionally regulate. So if you're having this argument where you are feeling and then acting, how are you when she says, oh, there you go again, you're not thinking? Yeah, maturity and in our relationship, that tells me that, oh, I've got to do something different. That's a little nudge I need, but I take responsibility for it. That's a little nudge I need to say, okay, I'm not approaching this. I, she's not trying to ditch on my feelings. She's just saying, you know, control, regulate, so that we can have a conversation about this. I'm reminded of that old idea of where some where a man tells a woman to relax, just relax, chill. Yeah. That would that triggers me yeah. because it's saying that my feelings aren't being heard or respected or validated. Yep. yep. Total dismissal. Total dismissal. Or right? minimizing. Yes. Minimizing in at the least, but but dismissing, like disregarding, telling contemptuous, like giving you the message that because of your emotion, you don't count. If you could control that and be more this, you would be accepted. And that's usually a function of my immaturity, right? Of course. It's my inability to deal with emotion that makes me uneasy that then causes me to try and ditch on, ignore, rationalize, minimize, whatever. Mm -hmm. Somebody else's emotion. So very simply, all someone would need to say is, I can see this is really tough for you, or I can see that you really feel strongly about this. That's a validation, right? And that, ironically, it's sort of counterintuitive. That takes the pressure off. Once you validate my emotion, you're saying it's it's legitimate, right? Now I can settle down and well, ideally think about... You're saying I'm legitimate. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the validated statement is not only validating my emotion, what it's really doing is validating me as a person. Right. It's a false distinction. They're one and the same. I own my emotions. Yeah. So going back to our childhood, 
when dad told son, we don't cry in this family. He was minimizing and not validating the mm-hmm. child's feelings. So the little, maybe the little boy um, is riding his bike and falls off and scrapes his knee and begins to cry. And the dad runs up, you know, mom is going to save him and dad holds her back and runs it. Come on, get up, son, shake it off. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we just reframe that to say, okay, you fell off. You're having a natural reaction. You're experiencing pain. For whatever reason, there's an expression of fear and tears. Okay, son, that hurt, didn't it? It did, dad. You know, okay. How does it feel now? Let's walk around. I'll walk around with you. Let's see if walking around will help. I know that must have hurt. Okay, there's the validating statement. Yeah. How does it feel now? It's feeling better. Do you want to get back on your bike? I think I do. You're doing great, son. Let me help you get back on the bike and continue, right? You must be a great dad. <laughs> That's why you have grandchildren, because you get to do it over again and do it successful. Now, I have to I give, love my grandchildren. I have to give myself kudos, because when I taught my girls how to ride their bike without the training wheels, I used rollerblades. And so I got my rollerblades on and held their bike and went with them, and I could let go but stay with them because I'm on rollerblades. I thought that was pretty ingenious. It is, but I didn't need no stinking rollerblades. I could run and keep up. You're so much better than me. <laughs> Look how much smaller I am than you. Well, it is it is that time again where we're starting to wind down. And I think as we've talked about the thinking, the brain, in our last episode, today we're talking about our heart, our emotion, um, our feelings. Next time we're going to be talking about how this leads into behavior. We'll get into that. But let's, let's finish with our, our conceptual thoughts about what this particular topic means to us. It, to me, emotional intelligence um, and the different models of emotional intelligence, it, it means that when I'm in touch with my emotions... I can experience the richness of relationships and life. And I can do it in a way that does not compromise or harm another person. And when they're emotionally intelligent, it also enables us to carry one another's burdens. Uh Yeah, wow. We should all aspire to that. Which is what this is about, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying I have arrived. I'm just saying that's what it means to me, and that's what I strive for. Yeah. So we're we're having this ongoing conversation about identity, maturity, intimacy, and um, you've been listening. Hopefully something that has been shared today has provoked thoughts that you'll continue this conversation um, maybe with a uh, another friend, a spouse, maybe even a child. Um, as you are like us, developing into a mature person, and we strive to understand how to be emotionally intelligent as we continue this journey, this hike through the woods. Yes. Thanks for joining us, and uh, it's always a pleasure, 
Always stimulating and challenging, which I always appreciate. Yeah, me too. Hope you all have a good journey on your own hike. Becoming mature. Have a great day.